Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here with Fra Tom Mulligan. Fra Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing very well and the sun is out. I think we've brought the sun to Lourdes. I'll tell you what, uh, it's interesting who we Mm -hmm. always meet on these pilgrimages. The Order of Malta every year makes its way to Lourdes from all over the world and we all come together and we've met a couple of guys here who are involved in some of the works of the Order. A lot of people, again, reminding folks at home who are listening that uh, the Order of Malta who sponsors this program is a worldwide organization. Uh, it's a religious order that uh, you've explained, Fra Tom, yes. that, that you're a member of that order, uh, as a brother in that order, and that uh, does amazing things throughout the world, uh, Fra Tom, don't they? They really do. And one of the mandates that we have had just recently, in recent years, that is, from the Grand Master, has been that he asked everybody to become involved in some way with prison ministry. Prison ministry, he, he focused that out specifically, I think. Yes, he did. Because uh, I, these are sometimes lost and forgotten people that essentially once they go into prison, we tune them out and think that they're done and there's nothing, no re- reason to have contact. and We forget that they're human beings. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the order is quite involved in prison ministry. In fact, we brought with us here in this program, we have Mike McGarry and Collins Whitfield, both Knights of Malta, and they're the co-chairs of the Federal Association's Prison Ministry Committee. So you guys, welcome to the uh, corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. Glad to have you here. Well, thanks for having us. All right. So, Collins, uh, let's just start with you and tell us a little bit about, I guess, how the prison ministry got started in your participation in it and, and what the order does in prison ministry. Certainly. Uh, sometime in 2012, the Grand Master, who heads the Order of Malta, and he, of course, is in, in Rome, asked the uh, people who are running the different associations in the United States, there are three, the American, the Federal, and the Western, to get involved in prison ministry. Um, and uh, one of the associations already was involved, the American, but he asked uh, to ask that there be more emphasis on prison ministry. So a task force was put together by the Federal Association, and after about a year, a committee was formed, and that was approved by the board uh, with a budget, and we've gone forth uh, with our prison ministry. And in the Federal Association, we have uh, approximately 1,000 members. And after about two and a half years, we now have 200 of those members involved in prison ministry. And so, yeah, I'm going to sum that up by saying it's a big deal, right? You guys have just launched into this thing. But it hadn't stopped there. There's more going on as well, isn't there? There's a lot more going on. But one of of the things I'd, I'd like the listeners to understand is you ask yourself the question, why prison ministry? Why are we doing this? And the reason we're doing this is because the Lord said, when I, when I was in prison, you visited me. It's a corporal work of mercy. And our order is focused on serving others. That's, that's why we're doing it. But what we're doing is we have three, three aspects of our ministry. One, as we say, is inside the walls. And folks, inside the walls is we visit people that are in prison, in jails. We deliver Bibles, prayer cards. We have a robust pen pal program. 
And we write uh, to people that are in prison, that are in jail. In fact, an interesting story, Collins, why don't you tell us about Father George Williams sending us those uh, names? Well, Father George is uh, the chaplain at the San Quentin uh, Penitentiary in California, and he has uh, sent us many names of uh, prisoners who are interested in communicating with uh, members of the order. And so we got those names. We reached out to our committee, and in less than 24 hours, 13 of our members came forward saying, we want to write to these men on death row. Now, see, that's incredible. There's a, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, there's some power behind what you just said, because if you stop and think about it, if the order hadn't stepped forward, if you guys hadn't gotten involved, these guys wouldn't necessarily have any contact with anybody who even purported to care. And so it's very easy. And you might think, well, here's a man on death row. Well, he's, he's consigned to this particular fate, and so why do we even bother. And yet you, you point out rightly, Mike, that uh, the, our Lord asked us specifically to visit those in, in prison. And I think it's a beautiful thing uh, that you'd want to get involved in something like that. Collins, give me a little idea of like why personally what you get out of this and, and maybe why you're even involved in this prison ministry. Well, initially I was asked to be involved uh, in part because I started out as a public defender in Chicago. And my interest was to a great extent uh, intellectual and perhaps somewhat the- theological. But about a year into the program and our involvement, Mike and I and Fra Thomas uh, went to the maximum security prison in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm. We spent three days there. And during that time, I spent a, a, a fair amount of time speaking to just one of the prisoners during our sessions, our three days of, of meeting with, with them. And I asked him at one point, how did you end up here? Because he was in his early 30s. He's sentenced for, to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 55 years. Wow. And uh, I'll call him William. That, that's not his real name. But I, I said, William, how did, this, how did this happen? Tell me about... Tell me about your life. And he said, well, he grew up in a very poor neighborhood in a one-bedroom apartment. He had two sisters and two brothers. There were five of them. And his mother, he didn't have his father. He didn't know who his father was. And as he grew up, he grew up with a mother who was a prostitute. She was a drug dealer, and she was a a drug user. Mm. And when he was a little boy the men would come in to see his mother and they'd go back in the in the one bedroom and he could hear the noise and it upset him yeah. and uh, when the men came out at first he would confront them and say things to them because he was upset and sometimes the men would ignore him sometimes the men would be mean to him sometimes he would be struck yeah. um, and then subsequent to that of course his mother would come out of the room and you would think that she would comfort him but no that didn't happen at all she treated him the same way that the men did and after a period of time he learned even as a as a young boy to sit in the corner and steal himself when when this occurred and as he got older he was uh, 10 12 years old and at that point his mother sent him out to sell drugs and so he sold drugs and during that period of time of course he uh became acquainted with gang members in the, in, in the neighborhood and ultimately became a gang member. And he told me, he said, you know, that actually was a, a pretty good thing because they were nice to me and mm-hmm. they paid attention to me. Uh, and they pat me on the back when I did something good. And something good, of course, was stealing something yeah, or yeah. selling drugs or something like that. And um, the gang to him was very important because it was like a family. And he never had a family. And uh, one of the gang members, one of, as he would say, his brothers, 
was uh, badly beaten up, almost beaten to death. And so uh, William took it upon himself to, uh, to get even with these people that treated his brother this way. And he did something that at that time made perfect sense to him, and that was he found those two, uh, and he shot and killed them. Mm. Uh, hence, he was uh, the sentence of, of, of life in prison. And uh, as he was telling me this story, I was getting sadder and sadder, and, and I was looking at him, and he, he turned to me and he said, uh, Collins, you look so sad. And I said, well, I am sad. I'm sad for you. I'm sad for this is how your life has turned out. And he put his hand on my forearm and smiled, and he said, it's okay. He said, I found peace. I found the peace of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing story, yeah. Collins, that you would experience that. And you tell the story, and, and, uh, and to know that that still goes on, that there are people that live that way, that children are raised that way. And then to have him essentially instruct you, essentially, in the concept of peace and joy and, and knowing Christ and how beautiful that is. Mike? Uh, for you, why, why are you involved in prison ministry? The Holy Spirit. Yeah? The you... Holy Spirit moved me. I have a medical challenge, and uh, a bishop friend of mine said, Mary, Mother of God, pray for me so I can better serve your son. And I kept praying, say, how can I better serve your son? How can I better serve your son? It took about a year. And at, a, at the end of the year, I happened to attend a, a half-a-day retreat. And I didn't know what it was going to be about, but I just said I was going to attend this retreat. It was on prison ministry. Hmm. And I walked out of that meeting, that half-day retreat, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And it was the Holy Spirit who's just has moved me throughout. Let me interrupt you, Mike. We're, we're going to talk about, I want to hear, hear about this, but I want to take a break first before we do that. And when we come back, I want to hear uh, a little bit more about personal stories maybe you have that you would share with us about uh, about coming into prison ministry. Before we do that, because um, uh, we've got a lot more to talk about, I want to remind folks at home we have a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. We're going to come right back after this. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Let us live honorably, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words of Scripture brought one of the greatest sinners of his day to total conversion. This man was St. Augustine of Hippo. He has shaped our understanding of the Catholic faith for over a thousand years. St. Augustine was born in the year 354 in the Roman province of Numidia, Africa, to St. Monica and his pagan father, Patricius. He was raised in the Christian faith, but fell away as he studied at the university near his home. Though he abandoned the faith, he was a serious student of philosophy. Much like a modern student, he committed himself to many philosophical teachings and spiritual fads, but found none of them to provide any lasting fulfillment. St. Augustine sought comfort in the so-called good things of this world. He lived with his mistress for over 15 years. He enjoyed the bloody Roman games of the time and lived an all-around reckless life. By his own admission, he knew there was much more to life than earthly fulfillment. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Lord, make me pure, 
but not yet. During this time, his spiritual quest carried him through a career in teaching, which eventually brought him to Milan, Italy. Here he met St. Ambrose, who was a great saint and a philosophical giant. St. Augustine respected St. Ambrose, and he began to truly understand the faith. Still, even after all the intellectual understanding he gained, his conversion was a conversion of the heart. After being baptized, St. Augustine began to live as a monk and dedicated himself to the study of the scriptures. He lived with other like-minded men and eventually returned to Africa, where he became a priest and later the Bishop of Hippo. For the 35 years he served as bishop, he counseled many brother bishops, attended councils of the church, and wrote prolifically. His most famous works are Confessions and the City of God. St. Augustine is an example of someone who reformed his life and truly promoted the mission of the gospel with every fiber of his being. His writings are relevant to our own times and have guided many to a deeper faith in Christ Jesus. This great African saint's feast day is August 28th. He is a father and doctor of the church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. We're here in Lourdes, France on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta Fratam. It's been an exciting pilgrimage thus far. Very spiritual, very beautiful. Yes. And, um, you know, just hearing about this work, I've also worked with uh, with um, Collins and Mike. And yeah, I Collins think mentioned your name, and I don't think he said he was going to visit you in prison. I think you I were know. with them. I, I, I really thought that, you know, prisons were... Very scary places to be, and once a person was put into prison, that's really where they belonged. And all of a sudden, we've discovered that they're human beings. Human beings, and they're made in the image and likeness of God. And we should and care we're reminded, about them. Absolutely. If we don't care about them, then there is no hope. Uh, exactly right. Uh, the least of my brothers, right? Exactly. And so, Mike, you were, you were just telling us, Mike McGarry and Collins Whitfield, Knights of Malta, both are here, and they're both they're the co-chairs of the Federal Association's Prison Ministry Committee. And, Mike, you were just kind of starting to tell me a little bit about why you were so involved. And maybe you have a story to recollect uh, that will help us understand more about why you personally are involved in prison ministry. I sure do. I have a couple of them. And they're going to focus on outside the walls. Collins gave you a wonderful example about what we do inside the walls. Uh, One of our focuses uh, is outside the walls. In other words, when these individuals leave prison or jail, uh, we don't want them to come back. Right. It's called recidivism. And the recidivism rate in the United States is over 60%. Yeah. And so we're trying to reach out to these folks that leave prison. And here's a couple of stories. One is a fellow named Bill. Bill started to uh, out in the, sem- started the seminary, spent a year, and then he decided to follow his dream. His dream was to become a college basketball coach. And Bill uh, was an assistant coach at a number of schools, including the University of Connecticut when they won the NCAA championship. He became a head coach at a school. Uh, Last year, he was uh, inducted into the New England Basketball Hall of Fame. Well, about 10 years ago, Bill went to prison. And Bill served eight and a half years in prison. Mm. And somehow the Holy Spirit sent Bill to me. He called me up, 
and I listened to his story, and we started a chat. And what he's done is he has devoted his life to an organization he's founded called Gatekeepers. When he walked out of the prison gates, there was nobody there to meet him. Right. And so he has committed himself to meet prisoners when they walk out the gates. And he stayed in this town, even though he doesn't live in this town. He uses his Social Security money to pay for his office and his boarding house room and then his ministry. And in two and a half years, he's in a fairly uh, in a town that is not economically robust. Right. He has found employment for over 90 men and women. See, that's amazing because those guys walk out with nothing, with no one. And that's why they're, I guess the recidivism rate is so high because they have no, no other avenues really in front of them that they're aware of other than going back into crime and going back into the problem areas that, that led them into prison in the first place. Absolutely. So he's basically an angel of hope there for some of these guys. Absolutely. And the order is now supporting him and, and his ministry. Um, just as you, you mentioned, Deacon, something went off my mind, and that was one fellow named Brian. He was in this jail that I work at, and uh, then he left. And he came back. And we were wondering why he came back. We hated to see him come back. And yeah. he said, when I was on the street, the needle was my best friend. And we just all of a sudden said, right. boy, we, we need to help this man. The other, another, another sort of uh, story uh, involves a fellow who... I met in prison, and he came out, and uh, he called me up because I had given him my cell phone number. And it was right around Christmas. It was my Christmas story of last year. And he was staying at a homeless shelter, no place to go. And it was snowing, and he wasn't a resident of this county, so he had to vacate that shelter. And I met him at the local library, and... Uh, we found out that uh, he had a lead on his job, so we got him in the car and we took him up to another town and uh, got him to interview for the job. He was hired, and then we found lodgings for him, and uh, we had a stroke check of about $400 so we could start at this price. Right. And now after a year and a half, totally, totally, he was an N.A., a narcotics addict, uh, no problem with, with narcotics, and he's doing just just very very well. In fact, he's now serving as a an example. He's a speaker at these NA and AA meetings. Yeah. So it's just great to see how the good Lord works on on people. So you you not only have been in the prisons and seen the terrible tragedies and seen the essentially the lives ruined and maybe the lives that never come back to life, as it were, and yet you also see the hope. You see. What the ministry, the prison ministry specifically, has done for, you know, you mentioned Brian. You, the, the names obviously aren't this, the, the actual persons, but these are human beings that you've encountered, and so that that certainly has to give you some hope. And so, I applaud you guys because it's a hard thing, as Tom mentioned. These are scary places. These are not easy places for people to visit. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening thinking. You know, I'd like to get involved in prison ministry. I would like to help somebody, but I don't know that I would like to go in and and to to, to be. I don't know if I'd be okay in there and all all the and sometimes the worry and the maybe even some of the uh, things in your mind might end up being roadblocks that would keep you from getting involved. But Collins, are there ways in which someone can get involved who maybe they don't necessarily think they have the stomach to actually go into 
to a difficult place, place like a prison, especially death row or something like that, that they could still get involved in ministry, prison ministry? Absolutely. And, and those who uh, think that they may want to get involved but, but have some trepidation about that, especially relative to going into the prisons, um, I, there's a co- constant theme, uh, and it's consistent with what we do inside the prisons and what we do outside the prisons, and uh, that is simply this. All of the people that Mike and I have been talking about were not born criminals. They were not born murderers. Their environment ruined them, ruined their lives, certainly ruined the lives of victims and had a, a, a detrimental impact on society, but if you look at them as individuals, they were not born criminals, and these are the people that we're helping. Uh, and we do it in, in an incremental way insofar as those who want to be involved in prison ministry. We provide Bibles to prisoners. We, we, we print them, and, of course, they're, they're given, given to them. Uh, deacons and chaplains uh, uh, pass them out in the prisons directly to the prisoners. Um, our uh, uh, committee has recently written, with the help of a theologian and others, a prayer book that has a uh, simple catechism runs through it. That's also distributed to prisoners that want them. And and uh, just in the last couple of years, I think we've distributed five over 5,000 uh, Bibles right. and over 5,000 prayer books. We have a prayer card, um, and the uh, drawing on the front of the prayer card was done by a prisoner, and the prayer on the back card was written by a prisoner. Um, and those are distributed as well. We have a pen pal program, and the pen pal program keeps those who are members of the order anonymous, so um, right. there there isn't a concern about uh, uh, identity. Um, we also have a bre- greeting card program, and then, as Mike has mentioned, um, we are working hard at trying to reduce uh, recidivism. Uh, one of our long-term goals is to help the children of those who are in prison because about 40% of the children whose parents, mother or father, have spent uh, a fair amount of time in prison end up in the same place. Yeah, On that, And that's, it's such an awesome thing that you guys spend time doing that, and, and that's so beautiful. And then there's other options for people who want to get involved and who may not think all of it. There's just, I guess, exploring more and finding more ways in which we can help uh, these people is really just, you know, Mike, you said that the Holy Spirit got you involved in this. And I guess if you trust the Spirit and the Spirit leads you in that direction, really just to kind of go ahead and knock on that door and find out what's behind, what's on the other side. Uh, and, you know, you go into a prison and you find out what's on the other side of the, the door, which is actually a big steel or iron door, Right. Uh, is a human being that's that's in need, and uh, Collins just mentioned that here are people that have sometimes done heinous and terrible things, and, and we so easily cast them aside. But deep down inside, we we know in our own hearts that we sin, right? We know that sometimes we do rotten things, and yet we don't want to be cast aside. And so maybe to be able to to look to the other, the one who's in need. And spend some time with them is actually really a, a good and beautiful thing to do. It truly is. And our, our wonderful Pope is very devoted to those in prison. And he visits prisons uh, regularly. He visited a prison in Philadelphia when he visited here in the United States. He visits prisons in Italy. And every 15 days, 
he speaks to prisoners in Argentina mm. every 15 days. And uh, some of the – I have – Collins and I have reviewed and read some of his uh, talks that he's given to the prisoners. And he says just what you mentioned, Deacon. He said, there by the grace of God go I. I mean, I've done stupid things, says the Pope. This is our Pope. I've done stupid things, and I don't know why I'm not here and why you're here. Mm. So it is there by the grace of God. Um, so that's, that's just something we need to keep in mind. One of the things I wanted to mention, Deacon, is if anybody, any of these wonderful listeners of yours are interested in prison ministry, they should contact you, and you could let us know. And if they know a, a, a chaplain, a prison chaplain or a prison deacon who would like Bibles, who would like prayer, prayer cards, or like prayer books, if they could let us know, we'd be glad to, to get to that. I'll today. tell you what. I'll give my email address again. It's deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Please uh, send me a note, and uh, I will get you in contact with these guys, and they can help you uh, if you're interested in prison ministry. I know you can also, pretty much every diocese is going to have some kind of connection with prison ministry. Go and find out what's going on in, in your diocese as well, because when we stop caring about those who are the least of our brothers, then really essentially all is lost. Right? There's no more hope for our time. Right. That's just it. And in fact, Deacon, when you say brothers, I want to talk about our sisters. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things for our sisters is um, we as, as Malta are involved in a project where we're going to have a home for seven women. So the nanosecond they get out of prison, the nanosecond they walk out those gates, they're going to come to us. Catholic Charities gave us a building and they're going to come to us and they're going to stay there until they're ready to return to society. That's fantastic. It really That's is. fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So wonderful work that's going on with the Order of Malta, specifically the order and uh, the works in the, in the prison. So we, we thank you, gentlemen, for telling us more and enlightening us and helping us see that uh, prison ministry is something that's vital and important uh, and something that essentially uh, in our Christian faith we know that we've got to ultimately uh, do. So thank you for being with us, gentlemen, for, for being here in Lourdes, for all the work that you're doing, uh, and thank you for joining us. In the, yeah, in the Catholic Cafe. Let's, yes. I tell you what, we're going to uh, close in prayer. We'll ask, since we're in Lourdes, we'll ask Our Lady for her intercession for all prisoners, for all families of prisoners. In fact, for all people who are imprisoned uh, in sin and, and in any other situation, that uh, she would lead us to her son, Jesus. Can we do that? Hail Mary, full of oh, grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is, is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online. Download MP3s or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.